I hope that's not the kind of situation you had in your home. Some of us have. Some here have. I've heard stories like that. Where for whatever reason, whether it be because of competitive instincts or because of some other thing, you just felt so devalued. So like you were insignificant. And unfortunately, it doesn't just lend itself sometimes to home. Sometimes it's like that where you work. Sometimes it's like that um, teams maybe that you've played on, friends that you've had. Again, to the home, sometimes even in marriages and so forth. And, and, and what I were, this, this is such an important subject. There is a huge, huge vacuum, a huge challenge in each one that each one of us have, and, and, and we may not speak of it openly. Um, we may not even, and this is where it really gets tricky, we may not even allow ourselves to think consciously about it, but it's still there, it's always lurking. The basic human need to be loved and accepted and valued for who we are. Unconditionally. And we, we, we all know what it means to, to bring home good grades and have mom or dad say, well, you're a good boy, you're a good girl, or to do really well in athletics and, and really be the, be the king of the, of the school. And, you know, I was talking to some guy, it's, it's, been, it's been a few years ago, and it was in the Midwest, and, and he was telling me how high school years were the best ever. Everything goes downhill after high school. And I was like, Gosh, that's kind of a pretty poor view of life. You had four years and you live four and boom, you're done. In his particular case, that was the situation. Big high school jock in a school that, that really valued that. Didn't particularly value what the GPA was or anything else. And, and from there, literally for this guy, and I've known many others, maybe it was high school, maybe it was college, maybe it was just a certain term at a particular company for a little while, where that was it. Because they had learned to, to accept this thing of, of conditional value. I'm valued as long as I produce. As long as I'm the star. As long as I do what they tell me to do, I'm valued. And while in some cases that's life, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And, and that's really what I want to talk to you about this morning. i got some, some great stuff here for us to look at. Um, my favorite Broadway play, uh, Les Miserables. Victor Hugo said this, Life's greatest happiness is to be convinced we are loved. That's a, that whole play is about that, isn't it? Another Irish playwright by the name of Oliver Goldsmith, who gave us such things as uh, She Stoops to Conquer, lived in the 1700s. She Stoops to Conquer. What was the other one? He, uh, Little Miss Goody Two-Shoes. He gave us that phrase. Isn't that neat? 1700s. He said this, Oliver Goldsmith, He who seeks for applause only from without has all his happiness in another's keeping. Oh, what a good statement. Unfortunately, it's too often true. And then, guy who invented TV tubes, guy by the name of Vladimir Zworkin, later on was, would say, I don't like what they've done with my child. I don't even let my children watch my child. Speaking of television, 
you know, invented TV tubes. And he said, he, he said this, you can enjoy encouragement coming from outside, but you cannot need for it to come from outside. That's some great thoughts there. It's exactly what the Bible teaches, by the way. In this ever-changing world, and this is what we've got to grab hold of here and really just sink our, sink our teeth into. In this ever-changing, unstable world where I derive my sense of value, it must come, that sense of value must come from something or someone that won't change. Because the world's changing. Everything's changing. And you get, you get certain points in life and you're getting your value here and, you're getting, and then things change. And then kids grow up, kids get married, move away, and then you're, you're you know, you're, you're back, to, back to where you started. And then, and then, and then sometimes companies downsize, and, and things change there, and, and friends move, and, and just life, life happens, you know? So we, we've got to find a, a place to sense, uh, where we can sense our sense of value, that, that, that's not going to change. And you know what's funny about this is people manipulate people with that whole sense of value thing. I'm not saying this guy did it, but it's a great example. I've told this story to some of you. I don't know that I've, I don't know that I've told it here. Maybe I have. That's just, if I have, that's just part of the woes of having a pastor over 50. Deal with it, okay? Um, but it's a great story anyway. If you've heard it before, just, you know, hang, hang tight. But uh, one of the things I do, and it used to, I still do some, not as much as I used to, is a Bible study in the UN for some ambassadors. And, and I, one, of my, one of the first favorite ambassadors that I had uh, was ambassador from Georgia. And that's a, con- that's a country for those of you. I saw, I saw some, some raised eyebrows there. Georgia has an ambassador in the UN? <laughs> um, and uh, he's the ambassador from Georgia. He's a great guy. He was also the foreign minister. Um, under the old Soviet Union. So when all that broke up in 90, um, he ended up down in Georgia, his home country, along with the guy who had been the prime minister at, uh, of the Soviet Union at, at, at that time, Sharvanarsky, I think. Um, don't hold me to that, but I think that's the right name. Um, so anyway, we got to know him, and he'd come to the Bible study every month, and he was just a delightful individual. I, I liked him. He was, he was a little older than me, and he, and he always... He always he was a very GQ kind of guy, and I you know I just really thought this guy's sharp man, and and we used to talk and we'd go to the lounge, you and lounge afterwards, and and just chat. And so one day we're just chatting, and he says, "Who's your favorite president, Rich?" And uh, um, I you know I'm, I'm you know I don't I knew what he meant, and I don't want to be dishonest. And I, I two or three presidents that I could say are my favorite president. I said, "Well, Abraham Lincoln," and he said, "Well, no, 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 modern president." And I'm really stuck because, you know, here I am. What am I going to say? I mean, my favorite modern president, I'll tell you, if you don't like him, that, that's your problem. Um, my favorite modern president is Ronald Reagan. Okay? And I just got through reading his, a book on his life, and it was wonderful, a Peggy Noonan book. Um, but, you know, I don't want to really say Reagan because Reagan's the one that broke up the Soviet Union. You know, what am I going to say? My favorite president is President Reagan because he broke up your godless communistic society over there. Am I not going to say that? Um, so I, I said, well, you know, I don't know how you're going to take this, Peter. My favorite president's President Reagan. And he just sort of smiled, and I quickly did a tap dance and said, hey, um, how about you? Who's your favorite president? And he said, Bill Clinton. And I said, well, that's interesting. Why do you like Bill Clinton? There's, there's a whole lesson in life in the answer to this question. He says, because every time Bill Clinton comes to the U.N., 
He knows my name. He asks me how my kids are. He asks me how the president is back home he, every time. Now, of course, you and I know Clinton's probably has some aides sitting there prompting him, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But my point is, isn't that amazing? I mean, that's what, that's what a sense of value can do. Change countries. Change the relationships between some countries sometimes. So we've we, we, we got to be careful with this whole thing of showing value because sometimes, not saying this was the case there, but some, some cases, it might be used, whether it was there or in other situations, uh, and the whole thing of, 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 of manipulation. And you know, people look many different places for their sense of value. I remember, and it's been, gosh, it's been a long time. It's been over 25 years the first time, and I've dealt with literally hundreds since, but I remember the first one of the young lady, gorgeous young lady, who came to me and is a pastor, young pastor, and was really seeking some help, and, and she had sought to find value in, in the beds of men. And it would never, never, you would look at this girl and you would never think she'd be that kind of a person. And I'll just never forget the emptiness she told me about. Now she says, it's just... It's not work. I have had many discussions. I had many. Vail was a really good introduction in this next one to me because in Vail you have a lot of retired people and you have a lot of folks. Not a lot of retired, but a lot of successful people who've done very well and been a you know been on the on the bad side of a hostile takeover or some other things like that, and as a result, just kind of come to the mountains to kind of salve their wounds emotionally in some cases, which is a good thing to do. And I heard story after story there of different guys talking about how their value was in their business. It was good training for me to come here, actually, because I had that opportunity, privilege to hear different individuals from time to time talk about something happening in their, in their firm, and, and it wasn't favorable to them, and how their identity and how their, their value, their sense of value had gotten wrapped up there, and how difficult that is. That doesn't work. Businesses change. That doesn't work when you, when you sense in, in relationships with other people, immoral or otherwise. People change. People move. Um, you know, sometimes people find it in families. Family's great. We, we believe in that here. We're, a, we're big on the family here at Renaissance. I, I just want to say this. I want to just issue you a, a, a point of caution. When your sole value comes from your family, what will you do when that family begins to change? Not necessarily tragically. That could happen too. But just the course of life. People change. Children grow up. Sometimes they marry jerks. Sometimes they don't. But, but, but things change. You know, And if your sense of value is there, listen, if you have a great family and you get a great sense of value from that, thank God for that. That's a wonderful blessing from him. But again, if you're dependent upon that, there could come a time when it's going to be really difficult for you. You know, and, and here's the thing, and then some people say, I've seen this sometimes, I've read this sometimes, people say, well, you just got to find your own sense of value in yourself. Just find it in yourself. Well, my problems with that is, are two or three things. Number one, that makes me the focus of my world, and I don't want to be the focus of my world, number one. Number two, the other problem with that is sometimes I, just, I don't have it. I ain't, got, I, ain't, excuse me, I ain't got nothing to give to myself or anybody else. So that doesn't always work either. Your value must be based on a constant that will never change. 
Your value must be changed based on a constant that will never change. God talks about that in the Bible. Actually, through the form of the person of the Apostle Paul in this first example. Look what he says in Ephesians chapter 5. Follow God's example in everything you do. Because, watch this, I like this. You are his dear children. Live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ, who loved you and gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because that sacrifice was like sweet perfume to him. Follow God's example in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life with love for others, following the example, because he loved you. Because he loved you. It says it all, doesn't it? He says, follow that example. So not only are we to get our value in an understanding of who our God is, because he's really the only constant in life, but we're even to be agents of that. We're to be carriers of that, if you will. Let me show you what Jesus said, because I like, this, is, this, is, this gets even better, I think. Jesus said it this way. Not even a sparrow worth only half a penny can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to him than a whole flock of sparrows. I don't know. I've talked about that before. I know it's just one of those things that just continues to baffle me. This continues to baffle me. I had a haircut yesterday. Okay? I did. I had a haircut yesterday. I mean, Charlene said, you know, one of, those, one of those gentle, wifely hints, you better call Colleen. That's how Colleen's back in the kitchen back there, and she's my hairstylist. He said, she said, you better call Colleen before Sunday. I said, oh, I think I know what that means. Um, but you think, and I got real thick. I'm, really, I'm thankful for this in, in one sense because I have very thick hair, and, and so half of her job is just thinning it out. And um, uh, I just, you know, it's just, it's just a thought. You know, I don't know. When you, whenever she gets through, you just see hair everywhere, and you're just like, God knows how many are there. He knows how many is here. He knows how many just got, I, I, I don't know. That just, maybe it's, I'm just petty and small. I just think that's so cool. I just think, Wow. You wake up in the, you know, in the morning and you find a hair on your bed or two. You, God knew about it. He knows how many now. Now it was so many thousands. Now it's this many. I just, I just think it's cool. I don't know. Maybe, that's, maybe I just, it's just one of those things. My point, here's why I think that's cool, is that God cares that much about me. And it's not just about me, but about you. I mean, that's just phenomenal to me, that every, he cares enough that he's even concerned about the numbers of hair on your head. Oh, I just, wow, that's what Jesus says. Your value and your sense of value must be based on a constant that will never change. Do you see the point here? It must be based on a constant that will never change, or you're going to be up and down. Up and down and up and down. Well, uh, how you doing? Well, I'm doing well. I got, you know, I, and you're not, not going to say this, but uh, my sense of value is coming from this, from this job I got, and it's really a great job. And then, boom, somebody pulls a plug. Ah, uh, the sense of value, my husband, and he's, he's been treating me so good, and I really, this is really good. And then, boom, something happens. Doesn't treat you as good as he should. Then, then your value goes down. Hey, hey you want to live like this? Now, again, if you have that, 
Don't even wait till you get home. Just take a moment, just take a breath right now and just say, thank God that I have that for now. But more importantly, recognize that may not be permanent. Hold that loosely. Take it as a blessing. Hold it loosely and recognize my value must come from something bigger and something more long-lasting than a person or people or position or some other thing. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I want, I just want to, I just want to go into there just for a moment and then, and then wrap this up. Um, you know, great time, summer. Uh, all of us, I think, or many of us at least, had opportunities to spend time with family and so forth. We did. We had a great, a great week in Myrtle Beach with all of our both of our kids and their, their spouses who we love, who are like our own kids, and, and, and our two grandsons who, who, you know, I don't even know why we had kids. We should have just started with grandkids but because they're, they're so much better. Um, but um, they're just fun, you know. But uh, anyway, uh, it, it's just we just had a great time, and, then, and I had a, two different times, just for two days at a time, spent some time with my mom and dad. And it's just one of those things when, you're, when your folks, my folks are 87, Get around well. My mother had some health issues the last year, but she's doing doing a lot better. And we spent had a Labor Day picnic with them this past week, just for, we were there just for two days. And um, it's great when you can do that. One of the cool things for me is, and I'll tell you this story. My dad, World War II vet, uh, and I don't know how much you know. And some of you have World War II vet for fathers or had, and you know. But it's just now. It's really been in the last five years that my dad is is more open about things. You know, that generation is not real open about things. Usually, the men. You know, the men are this way and the women are this way and that's the way it should be and yada, yada, yada. So my dad's now just getting an age where he's getting a little more, he'll talk a little more about things. And he told me this story. And, and I just thought it was so cool. I'm, it has to do exactly with what we're talking about here. He's talking about, this is, this is a Midwest story, so if you don't know anything about baling hay, some of you are going, baling hay, do they ever do such a thing? Trust me, baling hay, I've done it many times with a tractor and a hay baler, and it, uh, God gave it to us to show us what hell might be like. But, <laughs> but it, it, it's, 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 tough. it's tough stuff, okay? It really is. You go back another generation to my father's generation, and they didn't have tractors, and, and literally my father, they were baling hay with, with horses and a, horse, and, a, and a hay wagon. And so he's telling me about that, and it's hard work. I mean, it's just hard work. And he's saying that in those days, what they did was, what, what they, all the community, which you know, they'd live miles apart in, in, in Indiana and Ohio where he was raised, and they would all come together and they would have, you know, for lack of a better term, hay baling parties. <laughs> and, well, they really weren't parties, but they would get together and they'd do the, the thing for each other, just like you've maybe seen in the movies or something. And then, and then it would be just like this. This is going to really set some of you off. The men would eat first, you know, just like God intended it. The men would eat first. No, I'm just joking, okay? The men would eat first, and then the women, and then the children. And that's how it would go. Well, my dad's about 12 years old. And you'd, you'd have to, you know, my grandpa, who has long since passed and, and, and gone to heaven, but he was just this huge, imposing figure. He's about my, he's about 5'10", five, five, but about 250. And, and it wasn't all fat. I mean, he was a boxer at one point. He was just, he was just a huge, and he was a farmer all of his life. So just, just an imposing, I always thought of my grandfather as this guy. He was just huge, which he was. So he, as a result of that, my, my, my dad had spent the day as a 12-year-old helping the men in the field baling hay. Okay? 
So they go in for dinner with all the different families and all the different people around, and, and automatically the person whose home they were in said, okay, men, come on over here. Kids, go back over there and wait till the, till, uh, till the women eat. And my grandfather grabbed my, my dad by the shoulder, and he looked at the person who was hosting him, and he said, if he works with the men, he eats with the men. And he set him down at the table. My dad's 87 years old, and he's forgotten a lot of things, but he hasn't forgotten that. Isn't that amazing? He received truly a sense of value. Now, you say, well, was that conditional? Was it not? In that case, I I hope not. I mean, it was for what he had done. My point is this. When we have those opportunities, particularly those of us who understand value, particularly those of us who come and understood that God gave us Jesus, and Jesus went to the cross because he thought this lonely sinner boy Rich was valuable, and he thought you were valuable. And when I've experienced that, then I have a great privilege and opportunity time after time, with my family, with other people, with people I don't know, to be a carrier of that value that God has shown me. That's a great privilege. And what I would like for you to do is just just think about that for your life. Just start with your home. Just start with your home. Or those, if you're single, those closest to you. And say, you know what? I'm going to be, I don't want to be cheesy, but for the lack of a better term, a a carrier. I understand God's value of me. I understand Jesus went to the cross for me. I've understood that. Not everybody understands. I understand that. And it's because he valued me. Now, I'm I'm just going to share that with others. I don't care if it's just a ticket checker at at the grocery store. But the one place I can start is with those closest to me, my home. Let me ask you something, husbands. If we were to ask your wife, are you valued by your husband? What would she say? Wives, what would your husband say? What would your kids say? Well, as long as I get good grades. Good grades are important. But let's don't make their personal sense of value dependent upon that. Two, two assignments, homework, for lack of a better word. All right. Two things that I'll just leave with you. Um, <laughs> number one, realize the incredible worth that you are to God. Just think about that. And when you think of Jesus came and lived and suffered and died, went to the cross, died, went to the tomb, and he rose again. Why? Because you're so valuable to him. You say, but why? I don't know. I don't know. I ask myself that question all the time. Why, God? Why, why did you value me? I'm a good guy, but I got a lot of flaws. You know, and God has yet to answer me other than to say what he tells us in the scriptures, that he loves us before, he loves us when we were yet sinners, he loves us. 
So, 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 so stop there first and recognize your incredible, your incredible worth. Okay? Second thing is, and, and I've already said it, I'll just say it again, and I'll put a different word to it. Just be a reflector of that love and of that grace. Be a reflector of that. Let's pray. Ask God to work in our hearts and bless us and and, uh, drill us into our minds and hearts. God, thank you for your love and for your grace. Thank you for the... Thank you for what you have done in our hearts and in our lives and for what, what we just are speechless when we think about, that you value and valued us this much. God, I pray that not only would we realize it, I pray that you would, you would help us to think through that in our relationships with others, that as we think of your value for us, that we would seek to be promoters, carriers, reflectors of that value to others, beginning with our family and those closest to us and anyone else that you bring in our way. We thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus and his love and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.